All right, this week on Buckets of Books, instead of talking about the tropes we don't like, we're going to be talking about the tropes that we love. Yeah, hopefully you got our podcast last time. We had a few technical difficulties, (laughs) but we're going to talk about things that we do like. And I feel like this is even harder because, you know, your instinct is for a cliche to be something you don't like. Right. So some allegories that we do like. Um, I always like a good best friend story, you know, like we've been friends forever mm-hmm. and we'll do anything for each other. And even though they kind of start to sound the same in some genres, I like it when it's done well. Yeah, and like with any of the ones that I like, if it's not in a cliched way, like you're my bestie, you're my BFF, then I like it a lot, especially the friends, because I think there aren't a lot of like just well, there are, but I haven't read that many books just about friends being friends, and I like those a lot. Um, I had one. Oh, this one is a little more vague, but I like the, like, world that's basically our world just with a little bit of magic. It's, like, magical realism, I guess, where, like, the characters are in our world, but it's slightly different in a way. Yeah. Yeah, I told you I've been going through my old books while I've been back um, in Tennessee and um, I started reading this one YA series that I remembered liking but didn't remember the plot to it all mm-hmm. uh, it's called the darkest power series and I kind of think you would like it I think I've it's heard like of it that. it's like yeah that in Buffalo um, and like very honest descriptions of what the city of Buffalo is like but they're on the run from magical pursuers that sounds cool. I just thought of another one where this one is, like, kind of always a bit cliched, but when it's, like, the unlikely success, like, I was thinking about how in Ender's Game, if you've read that, um, the main character is, like, put against all these basically impossible odds, and then his team, like, beats everybody, and, like, he comes together, and he teaches them how to play this game, and they, like, all win, and it's really satisfying when that happens, when, like, the underdogs are winning. You know it's going to happen, but it's still yeah. satisfying. but it's anyway. good, and it, especially if you like the characters, you feel good for them. Yeah. Uh, another one I just thought of was, I love a good school story, mm-hmm. where it's, like, you know, in why it's, like, a magical school or an institutionalized mm-hmm. science fiction school where you learn how to develop your powers or something. But, um, you know, in not something so paranormal, it could be, like, I hesitate to bring it up again, but, like, the <laughs> secret history or, <laughs> you know, like, we're trapped in an elite boarding school mm-hmm. kind of situation. Uh, I always like those dynamics. Yeah, I have lots of books about schools. And, like, also related to that, I like the, like, found family idea where, like, the friends people make at their magical boarding school or, like, this unlikely group of friends who becomes really close together. Um, I, that's one of my favorites. I really like that one. Piggybacking off of that, I like it when it's their best friends, but then they fall in love. Yeah. Um, that's a, and then also the, um, the enemies to romance, too. Mm-hmm. Those are both really deep cliches but I think they are often satisfying too enemies to lovers is really fun I have like 
mixed feelings about best friends to lovers one just because I like it when the main characters are just friends and like even if I know going into it's gonna be a romance I'm always like a little disappointed that they're not just friends but overall I really like that one um yeah that's I like the character, this is just, like, jumping around a lot, but I like the character who's, like, a pretty bad person, like, they kill people, or, like, in a YA book, or they're, like, don't have the highest morals, but they, like, you really like them, like, the morally gray character. A solid anti-hero. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that, like, Han Solo is a lot more interesting than Luke Mm -hmm. Skywalker. 100%. And then also related to that, I think this is such a rare thing, but female villains, which I, like, honestly can't think of one right now. Even if they're, like, the most awful people, I'm pretty much always rooting for them. Just because I like <laughs> listening. True. But I do kind of hate, like, a poorly written female villain where it's yeah. just, like, a femme fatale. Mm-hmm. Or, like, we were saying before, kind of like an ice queen or... um those annoy me yes um I do like the characters who you expect to be one way and then they're not like you expect them to be the ice queen and then they're not at all that's fun yeah when it's when there's a switch like somebody turns out to be evil or an evil person turns out to be good when it's done poorly it's so annoying but when it's done really well that's a good twist I like that one yeah the betrayal twists or like someone good becoming bad is like one of my favorites I read a book sort of recently where the main character is like a bad person like they kill people and it's a YA book and like they commit genocide and they're like an evil person who's technically on the good guys team but like they do these evil things supposedly for the greater good, which is really interesting to see, like, the downfall of this character. Yeah. My example to that point is um, less complex, but when I first saw Frozen, (laughs) um, um, when Prince Hans turned out to be evil, I, like, had to pause and freak out (laughs) uh, because I never believed that Disney would do something like that before that point. Uh, and I was like, oh my, because I thought I had that movie all figured out. <laughs> Frozen actually has a lot of good twists in it, where, like, the best friend's sisters and one of them thinks they betrayed each other. Though it does have our other least favorite trope, where it's, like, the miscommunication, which I know we both hate. Um, but I like yeah. Frozen a lot anyways. <laughs> As do I. (laughs) I still haven't seen the second one, and this is unrelated to books, but I want to see the second one. Um, I was pretty disappointed with it, but it's probably, I guess, worth seeing, but, um, yeah, it, you know, I grew up on all the classic Disney movies, and Frozen was just so mind-blowing when it came out for my generation, you know, to be like, what? Like, the sisters are the love story, and there's a twist, (laughs) Thanks yeah. for joining us on our podcast. <laughs> <really>. um, <laughs> back to books. This one isn't yeah. a trope, but how do you feel when books have, like, like, if it's a book about scientists, they have, like, medical reports in it, or it has, like, text between two characters, where it's not, like, in a prose format. It's, like, an image of 
whatever the characters are talking about. Like, an unsolved case file that the detective is mentioning. Like, something like that. I think that it is often successful. It can be a really good device, but it Mm -hmm. also feels like it can be kind of, like, trendy. Right. And um, that the author is using it just because a pistolary style is kind of in, I guess, or just to do it rather than, um, you know, just explaining what it says. So I guess my answer on a lot of these is just it depends on if it's written well or not. Yeah, I do think... I remember in Evelyn Hugo, which we both read, at the beginning of, like, every chapter or every new section, they had a newspaper clipping, or a fake newspaper clipping, but a clipping about the main character, and I liked that just to see, like, the point of view, because she's such a celebrity in this book world that seeing the newspaper clipping, like, shows us how other people are seeing her in a way. Like, we know she's talked about as a celebrity, but we see her from her point of view. So in the newspaper clipping showed us, like, how other people see her, which I think is interesting. But there are also times when, like, just doesn't work at all. Yeah, I, I, I kind of think in that example it didn't really do that much for me. I definitely agree with your point and do mm-hmm. think it achieved that. But it sort of felt like the newspaper clippings were repeating things that we already knew. Yeah. Like, oh, we you know, we can't do this because the tabloids will find out, and then we see the tabloid find right, out. Right, yeah. Like, well, we knew that already. But um, I don't think it was unsuccessful. It just didn't do much for me. Yeah, and that was a little different because it was, like, at the beginning of every chapter, it felt almost like, look, you started a new chapter. Here's a newspaper clipping. Whereas in, like, other examples, like, um, what's a bo- I was reading a book, like, a death in it's a murder mystery sort of book and they're scientists and they like have letters that they send each other and like the reports on the amazon river and like stuff like that and so it's like incorporated in the book as the characters are talking about it and i like that and i think it's like different from having the newspaper in the beginning of the chapter yeah i tend to think that it's most successful if they do it a lot. Like, mm-hmm. if the book is completely full of documents, like, uh, in Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Um, right. Or they're consistent. But when it's sometimes just thrown in there just at the beginning of the chapter, it, it, that's kind of, like, a general rule. But that's sort mm-hmm. of the impression I get. Then there's also, like, in Everything, Everything, which we've talked about before, where, like, they have a lot of texts or, like, the things she's writing, like, in her notebook or something added in, which is, like, just more of her point of view, just in a different way, which can be interesting. I think it, like, fits with that style of book about, like, with the first-person book, but I think that overall it's better when it's, like, incorporated in with the rest of it. Yeah, I agree. I liked it in that case Mm because it did she was so trapped inside her house that I would have gotten bored if it right yeah yeah that was rumor that kind of thing yeah um I we get distracted into other media sometimes but I think it's also really successful in Jane the Virgin which is Mm -hmm. kind of different because that's a tv show yeah um but they show a lot of texts and things like that on the screen um, and oftentimes I'm watching TV while I'm doing something else, yeah, but you can't watch that show while doing something else because there's so much to read on the screen. Um, and I actually really liked it in that show. Yeah. Also like she's a writer and like, that's a big part of her character. So seeing like what she's writing or like her imagination 
imaginative point of view on things is interesting. Yeah, and the way they incorporated magical realism in the show, and magical realism is often part of her writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. <laughs> I never finished it, but I liked like the seasons I watched. I think it got better over time. Yeah. Seems like, yeah, we have less strong opinions about what we do like than what we don't like. I think what we mainly like is originality. Yeah. <laughs> that makes it kind of hard. Very piggy, but we like books when they're written well. So. Yeah. So that's. <laughs> diagnosis for these two episodes all right this week on buckets of books on par with the gift giving holiday season we're going to talk about new books we've gotten recently so um i'm back in my home area of east tennessee and um went to my childhood favorite used bookstore um and it's just overwhelming it's this huge warehouse with two stories and You know, they just don't have the real estate like that in the city. So um, I loved spending like an hour in there. I brought all of my old childhood books that I had sorted through and ended up getting like $180 in credit, (laughs) uh, which was wild. Um, So I bought a ton of stuff and a bunch of books as gifts. Um, I asked for a bunch of books for Christmas too. And so lots of new books on the horizon. What are the ones you got recently? Like for yourself? Yeah, I got D.H. Lawrence um, Women Love, which I was excited about, but then my mom was like, I already have that book and I hate it. <laughs> um, so less excited about it now. Um, I just got and started White Teeth by Zadie Smith. Um, I read her more recent ones in time. And even thought, though I thought it was really well written, um, I didn't really ever get into it. Uh, but White Teeth is her more famous one. And um, I think she was only like 23 when she wrote it and became such a literary superstar for it. Um, and I already like it better just in chapter one. That's cool. I was in a bunch of Secret Santas this week with a bunch of people. So I got like four new books, I think. The first one is um, Piranesi by Susanna Clark, which I think is, like, kind of, like, mystical house that has, like, stories within it. I'm really excited for that one. My parents and I wanted to read it, but we just, like, didn't actually get it, so excited for that one. I got The House We Grew Up In by Lisa Jewell, which we might have talked about on here. You might have mentioned it. I don't really know how I found out about it, but it's been on my list for a while, and then... I also got um, a book called We Hunt the Flame, which I've been wanting to read for a really long time. It's a YA, and I just started that one last night, and I'm already pretty far in. Um, It's like, there's a hunter, and there's an assassin, and they both have to work together to, like, bring magic back to the kingdom, and so far, it's really good. Oh, that sounds like it's up your alley. Yes, very. Um, so were all of these books Secret Santas, or did you happen to get books for all no, of them? No, well, one of them was a Secret Santa with some people from school, and the person who got me didn't know me very well, um, and my friend was like, oh, she likes books, and so I sent my friend a list of books I wanted, 
And then he just picked the books off the list. And then the other, and then the house we grew up in was from one of my friends. And she knew I've been wanting it for a while, so she got it for me. So people just know I like books, and then I get these books. I got a lot of people books for Christmas this year. And here's a tangent question. What, how do you feel about inscriptions in books? Is it a nicer gift to keep it pure, or do you like to do something personal? I love it. I like writing things in books. I've actually given, like, annotated books to multiple friends for, like, birthdays or holidays or things. And I've gotten books where people write in, like, all over the pages for birthdays. And, like, it's they're all books that I like, and then I like the books more because of that. But I think, I think it, like, if you know the person writing a dedication inside the book is nice. If it's, like, someone you don't know very well, I don't think it's that necessary, but I think that when people write in it and, like, make it personal, it makes the book ten times better. Yeah. I, it's kind of against my impulse to do it, but my sister says that she doesn't like it when people give her books that um, haven't been personalized at all. Um, she thinks it's a little bit more boring that way. So one book I got her for Christmas... Um, is I to make sure she can't hear me. Um, I got her the namesake by Jumpa Lahiri. Um, she's one of my favorite writers, and I think my sister would really like that book. Um, but I really struggled with what to write inside it, and then I thought, well, I'll do something with our full names um, because the book is all about names of the namesake. And then I spelled my own name wrong. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, and kind of ruined it. And then. Um, in Girls Right Now last year, um, a few of the mentors did kind of like a Secret Santa book exchange, mm-hmm. and so I I also got somebody a Jumpa Lahiri book for that too, um, some of her short stories, and in that one I messed up really bad and had to cross out like, oh, no. a line of inscription, so I'm not very good at it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's more pressure when you're writing in a book. There have been a few times when I'm like, this is one of my favorite books. I'm going to, like, go through it. I'm going to highlight my favorite things. I'm going to write my notes in the margins or whatever. And then, like, I make a note and I hate how it looks and I, like, stop reading the book for a year because I just, like, feel like I've messed it up. Um, but I think that when it works, it's really nice because, like, just getting a book for someone without anything in it is just like it's fun because it's a book and books are great but like adding that makes it more than just a book it's like a personal thought out gift and the person knows you thought of them when you were getting the book do you ever give people books that you haven't read but you're just like oh like I this looked good I thought you might like it or is that too random that's like I've I don't think I've ever done that. I usually get people books because I've read them. I'm like, oh, this person will love this book. Or, like, I tell them to read the book and then they never read it. So, like, all right, I'll get it for them so that they finally read it. Um, Yeah. I've done that a few times. You know, I go into it with good intentions, but then the person is like, oh, have you read this? Like, what did you think of it? I'm like, no. (laughs) Made me think of you. Yeah, I'm, like, I kind of usually read the books, and then I tell my friends about it, and then my friends read the books. So, like, we have this little chain going on, um, because I like to talk about the books with them. I don't want to, like, blindly get them a book that might be bad, even if I know it won't be bad. Um, so I like it to be one that I know they'll like. 
Are you giving any books this year, or have you? I'm not really. I usually make gifts for my friends, like draw a painting or something. Um, I got my book, my brother, I got my brother a book for his birth, yeah, for his birthday, uh, the sequel to a book we both read. And I hadn't read that one because the sequel just came out, but like we had read the first one together, so I knew he would like it. So I guess that's the only time I would get someone a book I haven't read. My brother asked for um, the Audubon Society. Oh, I've heard of um, that. Big field guide of birds because mm-hmm. um, he's a forestry nerd. Um, but then when we were at the bookstore, he bought all of these forestry and wildlife books himself. <laughs> so it might have just negated my gift. But um, yeah, we, we all, div- me and my brother and sister, divided up our $180 credit and just went crazy. And I'm like, oh, I already. That sounds fun though. One hundred and eighty dollars, you can get a lot of books with that. So I know I couldn't. We all guessed how much we brought in. Maybe six boxes of books, and they were oh, all wow. paper bags. They were all of my YA books, mm-hmm. um, and we were all guessing how much credit we would get. And my guess was like forty dollars, and we just couldn't believe it. We were wow. like, okay, like another lap around the place. <laughs> my dad when he was writing his book, The Fight for Free Speech, his law book, um, he got, like, a lot, like, a crazy amount of books about law to be referencing in it, and then when he was done, he gave them all to this, like, little bookstore in our neighborhood called Sweet Pickle, where they sell pickles and books, and it's, like, this beautiful little small business, and then instead of giving, like, book credit or anything, she just gave us a bunch of pickles when he gave her the books, which was nice. Yeah. Um, I, you've mentioned that place before, and I still love that as a business model. Yeah, me too. Um, that was a nice little shout out to your dad's book, by the way. Like, <laughs> you still have holiday shopping left to do. He has two now. He has the Fight for Free Speech and then a graphic novel version for teens called the Free Speech Handbook. Uh, I think that your dad is our only regular. <laughs> I think that might be too. But if shout he's out. listening, he knows we've mentioned it. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll let you know how these books turn out as we start reading them. Yeah. We'll see how it goes.